last week we uh, continued in the study of the law of life in Christ, and we were seeing that Christ is the law of life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that have not the Son have not life. And we were looking at life in respect to not just when we talk about eternal life living forever, but we were looking at it as the quality of the life. That in that word eternal life, the word eternal is perpetual, continual. And there's a quality that's in that life. So when we look at eternal life, we're looking at the Lord and the quality of his life in us. That's what we're looking at, the quality of his life in us. So he that has the Son has his life in us, the life of Christ. Glory to God. Well, in John 15, we uh, I believe we circled back into John 15. If we didn't, we're going to circle there now. We're going to circle our wagons right at John 15 and read verse, well, I got to get up to the top of my notes, verse 4, abide in me and I in you. I just want to pause there. And I want us to take that in. Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch, what can't the branch do? It cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples." Well, there's so much to say right here. Herein is my Father glorified. Here is where my Father's well pleased. That you bear much fruit. And here's where you're my disciples. Now, that's powerful. And when we read this, 
in the context of this, it is abiding in him. Now, as I was studying this and looking at it, and the Lord speaking in my heart, he was stressing his word in me. His word in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, my words abide in you. We get caught up in the next part of that. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. But let this just sink into you. My words abide in you. My words abide in you. I wrote a note. I was going to come to it a little bit later, but I'll come to it now. I really wanted to stress this, and the Lord is stressing it now, and we'll stress it again in a moment. Have you ever heard the statement to hang on every word? Have you ever watched a movie or a show and desired to hear every word and to understand what they are saying? Maybe we should closely examine every word of our Lord and hang on them. No matter what others may say, maybe we should hang on his words. If my words abide in you. You know, we take the scripture, we take the gospels, we take the Bible sometimes, and we read it, right? But do we ever read it with the intention that his words remain in us? Do we read it with the intention to know his words? That's what I was hearing the Lord say within me today. And, and, I, and I stressed this uh, maybe a couple of times before. How do we abide in him? You know, we read that if you abide in me and I abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you and so on and so forth. But how do I abide in him that I bring forth fruit? Here's how important the word of God is. Here's how important the words of Jesus really are. In John 6, we're going to read several places in John 6. Turn there to John 6. We're going to go down through some of my favorite scripture. Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Eat and be filled. Then he goes on and says, Labor not for the meat or the food which perisheth, but for the food which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. I wrote, they ate his word and were filled. 
Now, notice this. Labor not. This word labor is toil. Jesus says in the what we call the Beatitudes, take no thought for what you shall eat or what you shall put on. For the life is more than raiment. So he's saying to a people, toil for the meat or for the bread or for the food which endures unto eternal life. I want you to hear some of the words Jesus uses to express his word tonight. Toil, labor for it. We're going to look at guard it, keep it in a moment. Now, coming on down here in this same chapter, They said to Jesus, our fathers did eat manna in the desert, verse 31, and as is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread, see, here's the, here's the meat, here's the food. The bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. See, this is the only thing that gives life. The bread comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now, he's talking about for life. For his life. He's the bread that comes down from heaven. And we that believe on him never hunger nor thirst for this bread. Sounds like he wants to give it to us, doesn't it? Sure. So what is on my part? Desire. Desiring his word. John 6, 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. So here's what God is after, everlasting life. See, this is the same thing in John 15 where we started. Abide in me because Jesus is everlasting life. Abide in everlasting life and you'll bring forth fruit. This life in you will produce 
through you what it is. This life that he is will produce in you and through you what it is. That's what it'll do. It'll produce it. I am the bread that come down from heaven. So, so if I eat this bread, it's going to produce in me the nourishment that's in it. So what's in this bread? Just like if I eat a loaf of bread in the natural, that bread's going to give me the nourishment that's in that bread. Well, this is the bread, Jesus said, that's unto eternal life. I am the bread that comes down from heaven. So when I begin to eat of him, when I begin to abide in him, when I begin to dwell in his word, this word springs up unto life. Okay, this is what he told the woman at the well. Had you known the gift of God? If thou knowest the gift of God, this is in John 4, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And he comes on down, he says that, that this living water shall be in him a well of water that springs up into everlasting, perpetual, continual life. And I'm telling you, folks, that's more than you and I just living forever. That's included in this. But that is the perpetual life of Christ springing up in your soul. Here in your physical body. That's what Jesus come to give is his life in us. Springing up to everlasting life. So when he says, toll not for that bread that perisheth, but for the bread that endures to life, that brings this life. Sometimes, including myself, we probably have our priorities mixed up. We probably look at Natural events greater than this of Christ. Okay? And see, that's what Paul says in the book of Colossians. He says, set your affections not on things on the earth, but on things above. So our priorities have to become him. This word has to become our way of living. That we're always, daily, forever in this word. You and I don't forget to eat. At least you can look at me and tell that I don't forget to eat many meals. 
My grandmother used to say, if I lost a little weight, she'd say, he looks poor. That was what she, she would call it. You look poor. And I'd be like, well, grandma, I'm trying to get poor. I'm trying to lose some weight. But I don't forget to eat meals. I don't forget at 6 in the morning or 5.30, whenever I choose to get up, between 5.30 and 6.30 is usually when I'll bounce out of bed. I don't forget that cup of coffee. And I don't forget that meal that's going to follow it. I don't. I love it. Okay? I'm being truthful. I love it. Now, what I should be mindful of at 5.30, 6.30 in the morning is this bread that endures to eternal life. That's what I should be mindful of. Then I should be mindful of it at 5.30, 6.30 at night when I many times eat dinner. And again, I ain't forgetting many meals at night or in the middle of the day either. If you work with me, you would find out that I don't forget those either. So Peter says something really powerful here in John 6. As we come on down through John 6, Jesus says, I'll do verse 56, and then I'm going to come on down to about 58, but he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwells in me and I in him. So he's the manna from heaven. And if I eat of him, I will dwell in him and he'll dwell in me. As the living father sent me and I live by the father, so he that even eat of me, even he shall live by me. So if you want to live by Jesus, if you want to dwell in Christ, Jesus gave us the prescription and he said, he that eateth me <laughs> dwells in me. Wow. That's the prescription. Eat of me and you're going to dwell in me. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I think we Pentecostals got into this prayer line stuff. I'm not against prayer lines. But we got this prayer line thing going that you're going to get in a prayer line and you're going to get it in the prayer line. <laughs> okay? And we like that because that was, boy, you got it. <laughs> right? Whew. And I believe God miraculously working in prayer line. So I'm not trying to belittle him. But I believe the mentality of the prayer line got in us that whatever we need from God, we're just going to get in the prayer line and we're going to get it. But Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's saying, hang on everything I say. Get a hold of everything I'm saying. Every word of God that comes out of his mouth 
We are to get a hold of it and dwell in it. Understand it. Now, here's how powerful his words are, according to the Apostle Peter. In, in John 6, Jesus 58 says, This is the bread that comes down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever, shall have eternal life, shall be in this perpetual, continuous life of Christ. Says these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. So he says it's the spirit that quickens, that makes alive. Now notice it. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So if you want to know how you live in Christ, he's telling you. The words I speak, they are spirit and life. But there are some of you that do not believe this is how I eat it. I believe it. I receive it. I think upon it. I consider it. I meditate in it. I dwell in it. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believe not and who shall betray him. And he said, therefore, said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And Peter went on to say he believed that he was the Christ. Notice what Peter says. Thou has the words of eternal life. So do you think you should hang on every word? If he has the words of eternal life, and he does, and he is, then you and I should probably hang on every word. So here we go on in this. And I wrote a couple notes here, so let me give them to you. The words I speak are spirit and life. Maybe this is why we should understand them. That's what I, what I said, maybe. Ain't no maybe about it. This is why we should understand them. We are built up in his words into spiritual life. So if you want to have spiritual life, you want to be spiritual. You're going to dwell in his words. That's the way it is. His words are spirit and life. So if I'm going to live in spiritual life, if I'm going to dwell in spiritual life, if I'm going to dwell in Christ, if I'm going to live in Christ or he's going to live in me, 
I'm going to live in his words. I'm going to understand his words. I'm going to be built up in his words. You know, what the word disciple means is a pupil, a student. You know, in the natural, what a pupil and a student does, they learn. They learn until they come to a certain point, maybe when they can teach themselves, when they can instruct themselves, but they are learners of whatever degree in the natural they're following after. So if I want to get somewhere in the natural, if I want to get the right, let's say, degree, I'm going to have to learn those words. If I'm going to grow up into Christ and I'm going to be a disciple, maybe I'm going to have to learn, understand because if I understand them, I will, what we call, live in them. I will be in the knowledge of them. I will dwell in the knowledge of what I understand. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I'll come to a knowing. So getting understanding of his words is really, really important. It's probably the most important, it ain't probably, it's the most important understanding that you and I can ever have, is his words. So as we look at abiding in him, we need to understand his words. I'm going to give you a couple examples in a moment, but let me run through a few more scriptures. In John 14, 23, I, I can't get through all this, so we'll have to probably pick it up next week. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto the, him, if a man love me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come and make our abode with him. This is how he's going to manifest himself to his disciples. This word keep, means to watch over, to guard. So if I love him, I'm going to watch over and guard his words. John 8, 51. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my word, he shall never see death. Okay, to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if I guard over his word, I'm going to become spiritually minded. I'm going to be filled with life and peace. That's what Jesus says. Okay. In Matthew 28, 19, then I'm coming back to John 8. If you're in John 8, you may want to keep yourself there. I'm going to read to you Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. That's the same word. Guard, keep all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So you're going to observe all things he said. John 8, 31. 
Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on, on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. So he takes away the first and he establishes the second. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. Now, here we go. I speak that which I have seen with my father. So he's declaring the word of God. He is the declaration of God in the earth. So his word is the most powerful declaration that has ever come up on the earth. There's no other word that came up and said, Lazarus, come forth. That word shook the earth. It still does. It shakes to the very heart and soul of man. His word. It pierces. Asunder dividing soul and spirit. Separates the natural man, the carnal man. And brings forth the heavenly man. His word does that. No other word can do that but his word. No other word can make a division. A separation but his. No other word can set you free. Whom the son of made free is free indeed. Now, why do we not know we're free? Why do Christians who have been made free not know they're free? Because they do not understand his word. Because if they understood his word, they would know, they would come to a knowing that they're free. They would come to a knowing that the son abideth forever. The servant was done away with. We're not servants. We're in the Son. We're in the household of the Son of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We are in the Father's house. And we would know that and we would boldly declare it. Christ is a Son over his own house, whose house you are. See, I said I want to share with you a couple of examples. That's one of it. The house of God is not a building in the Middle East. It's not a mansion in the sky either. It is a people that is built up 
in the knowledge and understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ to show his praise in the earth. You are the temple of the living God. So when I come to know that, folks, I come to know that to declare it. I don't come to know it to hide it under a bushel. I come to know that to declare it. So that's what Jesus did with the woman of Samaria. When he come to the woman of Samaria and she says, hey, we worship in this mountain. And you Jews worship in Jerusalem. I love, I love what Jesus said to her. Yeah, that's where the true God's at is in Jerusalem. You're right. Just paraphrasing. You're right. The true God's from Jerusalem. He's not from Samaria. But now is the time when the true worshipers shall worship neither in Jerusalem nor Samaria. God ain't coming back to the Jerusalem in the Middle East. God is dwelling in Christ in you and me. He lives in his body. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We must abide in his word. How do I abide in it? Well, it's easy when I'm with you all that think like I do. That's easy. Sometimes where it becomes difficult is when I go out from you all and I have to stand with someone else. Okay? Especially Christian folks. Because Christian folks go say, well, what about this and what about that? Well, we're going to have to abide in his word. <laughs> Even among the Christian folks that don't believe a thing we say. I told a lady this week, I shared it this morning, probably 90 or 95% of Christians read over something that is very, very important in Colossians chapter 2. I think I was as bold as saying that 90, 95% Christians do not know this. You are complete in him. Why do they not know that? Because they don't see him as their completion. What they see as their completion is someday in heaven. That's one thing they'll say. When I get a new body over there, you know, there's something else that's the completion that's, a, that's not Christ. You notice that? The completion of your soul is him. Your soul was lacking him. As the heart or the deer panteth after the water brook, my soul pants after you. So now the living water, who is Christ, has come into my heart and gave it its completion. Now, I don't fully comprehend that completion. 
but I believe I'm complete. I believe he is my completion. I believe that. I really do. I'm convinced that Jesus is all in all. And he completes me. Now I want to understand that completion and live in it. I want to understand what's in him and live in it here on the earth. And Jesus told me the way to do that was to abide in his words. So if I'm going to do that, I, I, I use this example, and we'll use it again. It's like a doctor. We call Jesus the great physician. When the natural, we go to the physician and we're sick. He rolls out two or three prescriptions, says, take these and come back and see me in a week. You know what we do? We usually do that. We say, okay. Most of us, some of us may not, but most of us say, okay. I do what you say, Doc. Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And you'll dwell in me and I'll dwell in you. That's the prescription. He wrote it out. We call him the great physician. And then we get into Proverbs and it tells us his word is what? Health to my body. Now, I believe that means my physical body and I believe that means the body of Christ. Because my body is his body. I'm, I'm in his body. So if I'm going to be healthy in the body of Christ, if I'm going to function as a healthy member of the body of Christ, I'm going to eat his flesh and drink his blood that I may have a comprehension of him to be his expression in the earth. Glory be to God. Do you know that? We are to comprehend him to be his expression in the earth. If I don't understand I'm his body, how will I ever express him? Can I if I don't understand I'm his body? No, I can't. I can't come to an expression of him. If I can't understand that all the word of God flows to him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, exist. Honey, that's it. We abide in him to bring forth much fruit. And it's a joy. When I was sharing the Lord with that person and I was talking about being complete in Christ, it was a joy. The joy of the Lord flooded my soul. The divine presence of God was manifest in me. Why? Because I'm abiding in the vine. And when I abide in the vine, and, and then, uh, then you, you may not know this, I think you do, but you'll know also when you, kind of when you're not abiding in that vine, you're kind of out here withering. Right? 
But when you abide in there, when you're speaking that of him, what happens? Life, peace, joy. He has made me free, <laughs> right? Uh, that works. It flows. Out of your belly flows. Because he just flows. So he just wants expression. Glory to God. Anyway, I'll stop here tonight. and We'll have to uh, pick this back up next week. But we are to abide in this word of Christ. We are to think on one last scripture, and I will stop. Philippians 4. And this goes back to, to me, to Deuteronomy. I was going to mention that. Deuteronomy 6. Putting his word on their doorposts and so on and so forth. But in Philippians chapter 4, 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think, set your mind on these things. What an instruction. Paul could have said, consider the Lord. Because all these things, what is pure, what is honest, what is sincere, what is full of virtue, is him and his body that expresses him. Glory to God. Well, I'll stop right there. God bless you. And thank you for being here tonight. We'll start with Brother Les.